uh, I love the words of this song. Lord, the light of your love is shining. In the midst of the darkness, it's shining. Jesus, light of the world, shine upon us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Shine on me, shine on me. So this is the words that I want it to be your experience, my experience, as we study the book of Revelation. So today we'll be doing the introduction to the book of Revelation, which is in chapter 1. So you might want to open up your Bibles to chapter 1 of the book of Revelation. So let me see if I can find my pointer, which was here. <laughs> okay, thank you, Stuart. All right, so we'll be showing some slides to help out, so you can take notes. I uh, would like for you to take notes. Uh, one of my teachers would say that uh, it's better to take notes because when you don't take notes, you might forget. <laughs> so it's good to take notes. So when the test comes, uh, we can go over the notes. <laughs> All right, so chapter 1, verse 1. So let's go ahead and, and put the PowerPoints up so we can share some information with you that is very important as we start out this journey through the book of Revelation. So I know we're going to have a great time. We're going to be going uh, through most of the book uh, during the following months, uh, every time that I am on the schedule. So let's see if we can get those slides up. So let's go to chapter 1, verse 1. That's a good place to start when we study the book of Revelation. <laughs> okay, so the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow, which God gave him, God the Father, gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. So let's, let's go through this uh, first part. So the, the whole series has a title. The whole series is Revelation, a message of, okay, I didn't hear you, a message of hope. Tell your neighbor, Revelation is a message of hope. Tell your neighbor, Revelation is a message of hope. So, as we go through this, see if this works. If we can help, help me up there, guys. I think the slides are not moving. So, it says that it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you know what the word for revelation is in Greek? You guys remember? Apocalypse. Apocalypse. So let's see if we can get this going. Technology is not always on our side, but okay. So yeah, we'll we'll just wait till it gets back up there. So the the word revelation in Greek is what? Apocalypse. So when you translate it to English, it means revelation. That's what apocalypse means. And in some versions of the Bible, actually, they don't have the title Revelation. They have Apocalypse. Especially like in the, in the Spanish Bible, it says Apocalipsis. It doesn't say Revelaciones or Revelación. It says apoc Apocalipsis. So Apocalipsis means Revelation. Apocalypse means Revelation. And so let's see if we can now, okay, there you go. So the title for today's sermon is Revelation Points to Our Only Way. Out. Out of what? Out of our mess. <laughs> out of our situations and out of this world. So the book of Revelation, chapter 1. So we said here that it starts in chapter 1, mentioning that it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So let me explain to you the word apocalypse. Apocalypse, which means revelation, has 
a figure of speech behind it. You have to try to understand what revelation means in the Greek mind. In the Greek mind, let's just say that I have a table here with a tablecloth, and you see there's stuff under the tablecloth, but you can't see what's under there because you have to raise the tablecloth in order to see what's on the table. Okay? Or if you're in a, in a theater and you see the curtains, in order to know what's behind the curtain, the curtains have to open. If they don't open, you don't see what's behind there. So if we, if we want to open up the curtain of the book of Revelation, the book of Apocalypse, it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a discovery of Christ. We raise the tablecloth to see Jesus. We open the curtain to see Jesus. So th this is very important because it's a message about him, but not only that, it's a message from him. Okay, so we have to understand that it's not just telling us about Jesus. Jesus is actually revealing himself. It's a message about him and from him. Now, should we study the book of Revelation with fear? What do you guys think? Because if you go through the book, it does talk about catastrophes, calamities, conflicts, struggles. It talks about all of that stuff. But in the middle of these is Jesus Christ to defend his people. Okay? He's there to counsel us. The book was written to guide, to comfort, to strengthen the faith of God's people. So we begin the study in the hope of getting to know Jesus better. So if you study the book of Revelation and you get a lot of information on prophecies that have been fulfilled, those that have not been fulfilled, and you know a lot of history through the Christian ages, and you don't get to know Jesus better, you studied the book wrong. Because it's a revelation of Jesus and from Jesus Christ. So it's very important that, that we understand that. So in my next sermon, we will see the literary structure of the book. We'll see how the book is structured, the book of Revelation. We'll dive, of course, into some history, into some prophecy. In the series, we will cover topics like the seven churches, the seven seals, Armageddon, the mark of the beast, the new Jerusalem. And so we'll be, we'll be studying different topics. But today in our introductory theme, we want to start with the first beatitude, which is in verse 3. So let's go to verse 3 now. We do have to understand that there are seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation, but we're only going to study the first one. So uh, I do have to explain to you a little bit about how things were done in, in the time that Revelation was written. In order for this book to get to the churches that were established, they had to write each book letter by letter, word by word. So you have to understand that not everyone could have a copy. Besides, there was a lot of illiterate. There was a lot of people that didn't even know how to read. Okay? But it was just going to be a hard task. I would probably say an impossible task for every single church to have a copy or for every person to have a copy would be even more impossible. Okay? So, so with that in mind, we, ha we have to understand what's going on here. So let's go to verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in them, for the time is near. So, here we have this blessing, the ones who read. So, if you can read the book of Revelation, you are blessed. So, in those days, remember that when they read the letter or the book of Revelation to the church, usually the elder would read it, and everyone else would what? Listen. So, Blessed are those that listen, that hear it, and take heart what is written in it. Those that keep, that practice the message 
of this book because the time is near. So blessed are those who what? Who read, those who hear, those who keep or put into practice the book of Revelation. So the book re begins with the key to happiness because another way to interpret the word blessed is happy. Have you seen some versions of the Bible that, that when you read the Beatitudes in Matthew, it say, happy is he, happy is he, happy. Because that, that's what it means. So here the book begins with the key to happiness. So reading, hearing, and keeping the words of this prophecy will help you find true happiness. And every normal person in this world wants to be happy. If you don't want to be happy, you're not that normal. Okay? Because there's a lot of people that don't want to be happy. That's because they have some issues. But if you're a normal person, <laughs> you want to be happy. So here's the key for happiness. And now, now Jesus, Jesus keeps his promises. This is a promise. It says blessed, and it's a promise. Jesus keeps, keeps his promises. In this world, we are not going to be free of strive or problems, but Jesus promises that we can be happy if we read, if we hear, and we keep the words of this book. Now, in verse 4, it does say who this is addressed to. So let's go to verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. So John addresses, listen to this, this is important, all the faithful, all the faithful. John to the seven churches. You got to remember the book of Revelation is strongly symbolic. I mean, it's, it's highly symbolic. Numbers do not indicate quantities, but qualities. For example, John addresses the seven churches, these Letters actually address all the Christians. Why can I say that? Because seven in particular, you know, we have to remember that the seven churches that are mentioned did exist. That They are literal churches. But in John's mind, he's thinking as a Jew. And the number seven means universal, means whole, means totality. Okay? So it's a message for all the churches. All the Christian churches. Now, numbers in Revelation are deeply embedded in the Jewish interpretation of numbers. Like I said, seven means universal or whole. What does number one mean in the Jewish mindset? Oh, it means uniqueness. It means something that is united. Number two, what does number two mean in the Jewish mind? Companionship. Companionship. What does number three allude to? The, the, the divine. The divine. Number four refers, refers to the earthly, like the four angels that are at the four corners, you know, withstanding the, the winds. Five. What does five mean in the Jewish mind? It has to do with the grace of God. Six has to do with sin, with evil, everything that opposes God. Seven means the perfect, the universal, the total. Eight. Eight means the new life in Christ. Number ten is a symbol of multiplicity. Number 12, of course, is a symbol of God's people. Sometimes it talks about the 12 tribes or, or the 12 apostles. So it talks about God's people. So the book of Revelation uses numbers. For example, Babylon, the power that opposes God, is mentioned how many times do you think? Six times, because six is the number of sin, of everything that opposes God. So Babylon, which opposes, you know, God, which is this power that, that is against God, is mentioned six times. Well, on the other hand, Jerusalem is mentioned three times in the book of Revelation because three has to do with the heavenly, the number of the heavenly or the divine. The name John, which means grace. How many times do you think you find it in the book of Revelation? Five times. Five times. 
So numbers are profound in this book. But please don't get lost in the symbolisms. We must stress and put emphasis on the message of the book of Revelation. So when it says here to the seven churches, or better stated, to all the churches, John in his introduction is addressing you and he's addressing me. Amen? Now let's go to the greeting. So we have a greeting here. Uh, which is awesome in, in verse 4 says the second part of verse 4 says grace to you and peace grace to you and peace grace and peace so so let, let's take a look at this greeting so grace grace comes from the greek word shadis which is the way that the greeks or or, or the the uh gentiles would greet each other so if i was to greet Stuart back in those days and i was a greek i would say Grace to you, my brother Stuart. Grace to you. What, but what did that mean? That, that word is, is like saying, you know what? I desire well-being for you. I, I desire the best for you. I want you to be in good terms with, with yourself and with others. I want grace for you. Shadis. And the Jews. How did the Jews greet? Oh, they, they, would, they would greet with shalom, which means peace. So if you were a Jew and then you would greet me, you would say, shalom, peace. So notice how John, which is right in this book, which is for everyone that's a Christian, he uses the two terms, grace for those that were Gentiles and peace for those that were Jews. Because he wants this message to be for everybody that wants to follow God. So grace, Let, let's study a little bit about the word grace. So grace has to do with forgiveness. The reason that God forgives you is because of his grace. The reason that he accepts you is not because of who you are or what you have or what you know. God accepts you through his grace. Because of his grace. And we are justified. We are seen like children of God and adopted into his family because of grace. Now when we receive grace then we can say we can have peace. So, so look at this. When you have peace, you feel rest. You feel calm. There's assurance. There's salvation. And, and like the Bible says in Romans 5.1, as a result of receiving grace, we have peace. We have peace. And we all yearn for peace, amen? That inner peace, Peace with our fellow men, peace with God, peace, rest, salvation, grace, and peace through the ages. And how many of you would like to have that grace and that peace? So Revelation is saying grace and peace unto you. And then look, look who's offering the grace and the peace in verse 4 and 5. So let's go to verse 4 and 5 now. So here we have a greeting from the deity. We have a greeting from the Holy Trinity. So listen to this. From him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits, remember seven is a symbolic number, from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So here we have a greeting from the deity. The Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son. So let's go through this really quick. So God the Father is presented here as he who is, who was, 
and is to come. Some theologians think this is a reference to Jesus, but if we look at the structure of, of the passage, it's talking about the Father. Then we have the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits before the throne, and then we have God the Son, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. So it's not just anybody that's greeting you. It's the deity. It's the Godhead. It's God the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son that are greeting us this morning. So how many of you want to receive this greeting? I do. <laughs> God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit greet you this morning, and they want to give us grace and peace. Now Jesus introduces himself and the work that he has done for us. So that's in the following passage, verses 5, the second part of verse 5 and verse 6. So, so it says that he's the ruler of the kingdom of the earth. And then it mentions, look what it says here. It says here, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests of his God and Father, to him the glory, the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So here it starts with saying that he loved us. So what has he done for us? He loved us. It's interesting to know that this verse was actually a part of a song that the Christians would sing in the early centuries when they were persecuted by Rome. This became a song. They would say, he who loved us and washed us. And, and this, this was a song while they were being persecuted. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting. So Jesus loved us with genuine love. Not from the lips out. He didn't send just a love note. Or, or, or like these crazy young people, you know, where, where the young people, he, he says he's in love with the lady, right? And so he says, baby, I love you so much. I'd go over the ocean to show you how much I love you. I, I, I'd go to the moon to show you how much I love you. And then he says, I'll go by and see you on Wednesday if it doesn't rain. <laughs> so, so that's not going to work. Okay, so Jesus expressed his love. He came to this earth. He left the worship of the angels in heaven. He washed us. And to do that, he had to die for us. How did he find us? How did he find us when he came to this earth? Yes, in different circumstances. Every single human being lives different circumstances, different conditions. But the interesting thing is that when Jesus came, he didn't come to leave us as he found us. He came to change us, to transform us, to make us kings and priests. Sin has disfigured us. So uh, I don't know if you guys have ever done this. How many of you have ever put a coin on a, tr on a, on a, 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 a train rail track? A coin on, on a track of a, of a railroad. So I have a penny because I think we wouldn't want to do this with a nickel or a dime because money's too hard to get today. So, so here we have, I think it's uh, Abraham Lincoln. So, yeah, we put this on the, on, the, on the track, on the rail, and when the train comes by and goes over it, the most probable thing is that at some point in time, because of all the shaking is going on, it's going to fall off after the train has gone over it for a while. And then you can't just grab it, of course, because it's going to be really hot. So you have to wait a little bit. But then when you grab it, you see it's a little bit squashed, it's flattened. And who is this guy? You can't see who the figure is anymore because it has been erased. It has been disfigured. And so that's exactly what sin did to us. It disfigured our image. We were created in the image of God, but sin came into this world, and we lost that image. So Jesus sees us all disfigured, all messed up, and he lifts us up 
Through the work of the Holy Spirit, he restores us to the image of God because he wants us to look like him. This is the work of the gospel. Yes. One day we will accompany the holy angels, those that have never sinned, and the Bible says that we will be a kingdom of priests. Wow. Now, next we have a reminder of our blessed hope. So in verse 7 it says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye shall see him, even those who pierce him, uh, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So I don't know how many of you already have the devotional, but the devotional talked, I think it was yesterday, on Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, right? Now, 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 now let's move to the first vision that starts in verse 9. So I want you guys to imagine being John. So, so I want you guys to just travel with me to the island of Patmos. And, and just think that you're John. So I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was there as a prisoner, prisoner of the Roman Empire because of sharing his faith. And then he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. We don't have a doubt which is the Lord's day. Okay, so in some bad translations of the Bible, it says it was a Sunday. <laughs> But of course not. Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So this is on a Sabbath, right? So this, that's a beautiful occasion. So John says, I was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and I heard behind me. So the first thing is he hears. He doesn't see anything yet. So he hears behind him a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, and, and what you see write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Tartira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turn. Now he turns because he hears all this. <laughs> so he turns to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one, capital O, <laughs> one, like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, just like the, the priest in the, in the tabernacle uh, era. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in the furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And, and when I saw him, <laughs> look what happens. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery, so the, the Bible is its own interpreter, right? So it says, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden stamps. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So, so I want you to follow me here, okay? So 
Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. In his right hand, he held what? Seven stars, right? And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Jesus in the midst of his people. So here we have this vision of Jesus Christ, which had such an impact on John that he, he fell like a dead person. Remember, John was like 96 years old. <laughs> okay, He's there uh, in the Aegean uh, Sea on that island called Patmos as a prisoner uh, uh, of the Roman Empire. All the other apostles had died. He's the last apostle to die. And he has this vision of Jesus and felt like, like a dead person. But Jesus puts his right hand on him and said, do not be afraid. You know, like I said at the beginning, the whole series is called Revelation, a message of hope, because can you just imagine, in the Bible we have this phrase, do not be afraid, 365 times. One time for every single day of the year. Every single day of the year, Jesus puts his right hand on you and says, do not be afraid. Amen. Praise God for that. Okay, so Jesus says to us every single day, do not be afraid. God wants you to feel Jesus' right hand on your head and hear him say, don't be afraid of this coronavirus. Don't be afraid if you lost your job. Don't be afraid if you're all stressed out. Don't be afraid if you feel lonely. Don't be afraid. Because where is Jesus? In the midst of the candlesticks. Remember that the seven churches represent all? All the churches. So that means that Jesus is among all the members of Garland Faith Community Church or whatever church you come from. Jesus is in the midst of the candlesticks. Seven. Remember? It means total, complete. It includes all of God's people. So Jesus is in the midst of his people. The candlesticks. So let's talk a little bit about this. So first of all, I want to remind you that these candlesticks, which represent the churches, means that you are the light of this world. We have a mission to fulfill. This world is a very dark place. And you and I, we are those candlesticks. So you are the light of the world. We are those candlesticks. Jesus is among us so that our flame doesn't go out. Look, look what it says here in the book of Isaiah. So uh, let, let, let's go there real quick here. So uh, first of all, I just want to remind you a few things. So we are the light of the world. And in the ancient ritual of the sanctuary, remember there was this, 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 this candle with seven arms? So in order for those to be shining all the time, the priest would have to be put in oil constantly, continually. And the, the Holy Spirit is, is symbolized by the oil in the Bible. And so we need the Holy Spirit continually for us to be able to shine. But we also need maintenance. Yeah. <laughs> we need maintenance. So for, so for those seven uh, candles to, to be shining, he would have to give maintenance. He had to clean it up, you know, and make sure that they were always in good condition. So you can only shine for Jesus if Jesus gives you maintenance. If he takes away some of that stuff that is not helping you grow, not helping you shine. So let's read Isaiah 42.3. This is awesome. A bruised reed he will not break. And listen to this. And smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. Another version of the Bible says, A bruised reed he will not break. 
and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. So, so when we read those promises in the Bible that says that God is with us, we need to remember that Jesus is walking in the middle of the candlesticks and says, you know, the Bible says the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And look at this. Remember 365 times in the Bible says fear not. So here's another one. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with the righteousness of my right hand. Yes, the book of Revelation is a message of hope. Wow, what a wonderful message, the book of Revelation. Now, the seven stars in the right hand of Jesus, who are they according to what we just read? The seven stars. It says there, they're the seven angels of the seven churches. So, who are these? These are the messengers of the churches because the word angel means messenger. So he who had the responsibility to communicate the book of Revelation to the church was the elder, okay, or the, 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 the leader of the church, the head of the congregation, or the pastor. He who received the message to communicate it to the church. There in Jesus' right hand, he holds the messengers. And I'd like to apply this just a little bit more extensively. Because actually, whenever you share the message of Jesus, he also holds you in his right hand. So this can be applied to anyone who shares uh, Jesus Christ with others. So the message of Revelation as it is introduced to us in the series is that Jesus is with us. He is with his church. He holds his messengers in his right hand. Want to see for yourself how this works out? Share this message. Invite your friends and neighbors to take Bible studies. Join our Zoom worship experiences that we have every Wednesday, Friday, Saturday afternoon. Participate in the 10 days of prayer, which is just coming up. But it's very important that we share the message if we want to be held in the right hand of Jesus. Let us remember, brothers and sisters, that revelation is a message of hope. Now, I want to read this because it, 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 it so happens that I prepared the sermon a few days ago, actually quite a few days ago, and this morning... In the devotional, Sonia, I found this quote, the same quote that I found to prepare the sermon. And so look what it says. He is watching over you, trembling child of God. Are you tempted? He will deliver. Are you weak? He will strengthen. Are you ignorant? He will enlighten. Are you wounded? He will heal. The Lord telleth the number of the stars, and yet he healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. So the book of Revelation is just reminding us that Jesus is with us. He's with his church. He holds his messengers in his right hand. Revelation is a message of hope. So don't forget, the message of Revelation is Jesus is what? With us. Who's the center of the book of Revelation? Jesus is the center of the book of Revelation. So let's say this together. Revelation, a message of hope. One, two, three. Revelation, a message of hope. 
So in my next sermon, we'll be talking about the structure of the book. We'll be talking about the seven churches, and it's just going to be a, a, amazing. So I look forward to share with you how many of you are thankful because Jesus is with us. How many of you are thankful because if you are a messenger, he will hold you in his right hand. How many of you want to receive peace and grace this morning? Let's pray. Can we stand for prayer, please? Actually, let's close up with our song and then we'll pray. This is the song that we'll be closing every sermon of the series. So let's uh, sing together our blessed hope. Yeah, let's sing it with all of our heart, okay? I have this hope. We have this hope that burns it in our heart. Hope in the coming of the Lord. We have this faith that Christ alone in because the book of Revelation, more than history, more than prophecy, more than numbers or symbolisms, is a revelation from and about Jesus. As we go through this series, Lord, help us to get to know him better, that our faith can grow in him, and we can be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for greeting us this morning with grace and peace and for inviting us to be your messengers with the promise that you will hold us in your right hand. Thank you for the promise that you are in the midst of your people. We praise you, God, and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to study this book. Blessed are those that read. Blessed are those that hear. Blessed are those that keep the words of this prophecy. We ask your blessing upon our activities the rest of this day. Help us to keep enjoying your Holy Sabbath and bless our church family far and near. In Jesus' name, amen.